Right, welcome back to another edition of the Para Podcast, the first one of the 2018 season. Um, tonight we're joined by Bertie. How's it going? Uh, 40-20. 40, you there? Yeah, sorry, um, you cut out my audio feed. That was my fault, obviously. Sorry, guys, I'm here. <laughs> um, another Hamish. Yep, right here. Hamish Jr. <laughs> and um, PM is back again. I'm back. I'm ready to go. And, and Ricky. If Ricky's around. <laughs> All right, well, we'll jump straight into it. We're just going to do a quick review of 2017. Um, then we're going to jump into some news. Then we're going to jump into some signings and losses and what that'll mean to um, the coming year, uh, including our expectations, players to watch. Um, and then just follow on with um, just some news on the junior trials that are coming up this weekend and, of course, the AGM for the Leagues Club, which is coming around next um, month, I think. All right, well, let's just jump straight into it. Uh, quick review of 2017 season, finished uh, in the top four, out on straight sets. Um, what do you think we can take from last year into this year, boys? Uh, there's, you know, obviously, there's always positive and negatives with this sort of stuff, but on the positive side, we're all good enough to, to take it to Melbourne, who are the, ultimately the, um, the, the premiers of 2017. We went down to Melbourne and gave them a real run for their money, but it also showed some of the deficiencies with our lack of experience in the finals. So we're you know got to sort of readjust and reevaluate from where we were, and and take what we learned from our final series losses, and better ourselves there. Bertie, yeah, no, just um, so the whole year, like I want to talk about, like we haven't had a settled seventeen, you know. So and look how we played; we made the top four. So if we can just take you know our consistency and bring it into next year with a settled seventeen, you know, I can't see why not we can't repeat the same performances, you know. It's just about getting a settled 17 and then building on with that. And on to you, Hamish. We haven't had heard from you before, so what what, what are your thoughts? Um, yeah, well, you just got to... You know, our forwards did fairly well for a sort of a no-name pack and you had the um, Nathan Brown starring. And then, yeah, just keeping that spine together, you know. We went, went through a couple of uh, dummy halves there with um, Kayser Pritchard, Cameron King and Will Smith. You know, Corey Norman... Um, getting injured, Mitchell Moses coming in. So, yeah, there's definitely the positives there and something to work on for 2018. So, yeah, it's just all about, um, yeah, just those injuries, I think, hurt us and losing Alvaro and Tep in the last two games hurt us with um, a bit of go forward and some smashing defence. That's a big part of any premiership push, isn't it? The, the luck with injuries. You know, for various stages of the year, we missed Norman to a knee injury, uh, Bevan to a knee injury. Uh, we lost... Uh, Gutherson, of course. Gutherson, obviously, yeah, yeah. I can't believe that. I was struggling to bring that one <laughs> up. Even but Hoffman. Yeah, and yeah, even Hoffman. So you're losing a lot of these core players. The, 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 the difference makers out wide, if you would, you know, Gutherson and French obviously were some of our key focal points in attack outside of semi. And that proved to be a big difference when you got to sudden death football against Melbourne, against uh, Northern Queensland. And, you know, you hope next year or this year now, next season rather, that those guys can stay healthy and you're going to get injuries, but it'll be to the guys that are sort of rounding out the squad rather than the, the core players. Well, that's the thing. You also had um, Penny Terrapo, who I thought could have had a breakout year. He was um, running hard and holding onto the ball and all of a sudden he gets injured and he's not playing. So, Was that a peck injury from memory? Yeah, he untackled Teddy. On the last the last tackle of the Tigers game, the first time we played them to save the game, and he tore his pec. 
And he'd had that, um, of course, that indiscretion in the off-season, which saw him sit out the beginning of um, the, the, the 2017 season. The DUI in New Zealand, that's right. Yeah, he sat out, was it three weeks? I think that's right. All right, on to, on to you, PM. We haven't heard from you yet. Yeah, well, I think we probably overachieved a bit last season. I think at the start of the season, if you had a said we're going to finish top four, I think everybody would have been saying, oh, no, you're, you're dreaming. Bottom half of the eight would have been more appropriate. But the, ad- the addition of uh, Mitchell Moses midway through the season really transformed the team, and the forwards probably stood up a lot more than a lot of other pundits probably suspected of our club. Um, they're a, f- a small forward pack, but they're mobile, and they're very aggressive in the tackle. They've definitely improved in the ruck, and I just think the addition of um, Evans and Hayne is probably going to elevate us that little bit more too. A few of the other teams have, have um, improved their rosters as well, so I think if you're looking at I mean, a, you a could prediction, say the you know... improved their roster. A little bit, yeah. Just a touch away, but yeah. They'll be pretty disappointed when they bow out before the finals even start. Please. Spend all that money. <laughs> but, I, I, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say we're going to go finish any higher on the table than last year. I think we'll, we'll probably acquit ourselves a lot better when it comes to the, um, we'll just say, to the uh, finals. I think that bit of nervousness in both of those finals games, I think that probably cost us. But, you know, going off, off last year, I think there's a, a bit of room for improvement and the roster that we have with the experience and the younger guys are playing that finals football should put us in pretty good stead, I think, for this season. Yeah, and you look All at... All right, and Rick... And sorry, Hamish, you had something to say just before. I was just going to say, um, you know, people uh, saying luck of the draw with us, especially with um, Mel- playing Melbourne uh, State of Origin time. But then you also um, look at the rest of the draw and we play... We uh, performed poorly against the Titans up there, Newcastle. So that's where we also got to pick up our games where we're expected to win and we don't. So I, yeah, I, that, that can be that can be something you've got to improve on. Yeah. A couple of trap games a year that we've had an issue with. The Newcastle game, the Gold Coast game. Uh, Warriors over there. Yeah, the Warriors over there. Those ones probably stand out because the, the loss to Canberra were understandable. Um, just trying to think of all the other bad losses in inverted commas we had, but that was, that was mostly it. And yeah, I guess the one against the Roosters was probably one that hurt a yes, lot. As far as um, and the second one against the Cowboys. Oh, yes, up in Darwin. Thurston's only game. Yeah. <laughs> Comes back early for Origin. Has a masterclass. And Thurston's game as well against Cronulla, you know. They had a bad you know, error rate up until that game, and they completed like high 80s for that game. So, you know, I, I think our, our week-to-week consistency was pretty good in 2017, except for that stretch from round three to uh, round six, was it, where we lost, starting with the Titans, then we lost... Four in a row. Yeah, we lost four in a row. And that's where it looked like the season was taking a real bad turn. But obviously the boys rallied and, and did a great job to come home really strong. I think in the past, though, when you, when that sort of thing happened, we hit a patch of a losing patch like that. It was really hard to get out of it. But that first ga- the first win back after that four losses, we sort of turned the corner straight away, and everybody's head was back up. The confidence was back there again. That's probably the, the mark of the exactly. squad that BA's got now. And, and I think this year we're better equipped with depth as well. Um, so there's a lot of reasons to be confident. It's just a matter of, of channeling that hunger that we got from 2017 where we sort of, we almost, real, it was awakening to realize that we could mix it with the big boys, but we weren't experienced enough to now channel that hunger and that newfound experience into greater consistency and then also greater big game efforts when you get to the, the big stage. All right, well, let's jump into a little bit of news. Um, obviously, on the last pod, we confirmed Hayne signing, um, but since then... Oh, no, I think back then as well, we also confirmed the, the signing of T-Rex. 
Um, and of course, Jamin Salmon, and we already knew about Kane Evans, so they're all the new signings for next season. Um, but of course, the big off-season news story is the Jared Hayne um, uh, rape allegations, which have taken place over in the US. Um, documents have been filed. I'm not sure if they've been served on Hayne's um, legal team in Australia as yet. Um, but with Hayne defending those allegations, it looks like it's going to be um, sort of like a semi-affair um, for last year, and this um, this court case might uh, run through the season. Yeah, it's, it's not ideal, but uh, in Hayne's defence, it's a civil matter. So the district uh, attorney didn't warrant there was enough evidence to take it to the criminal courts in America, which doesn't prove he's innocent or guilty, but that they felt there was enough evidence there. So it's just one of those ones where, in my opinion, you let it play out. He's innocent until proven guilty. And given that it's an, a civil court, the burden of proof is a lot different uh, for those matters. It's not uh, beyond reasonable doubt. I'm not sure what the actual standard is there, Hamish. You might know. It's on the balance of probabilities. They've got a different yeah. terminology in, in the States, but it's it's pretty similar. So, I mean, it, it was a, a huge flurry of media articles for the first couple of weeks, but it's sort of died down now. I thought Jared handled his first press conference as an eel quite well in that regard. He told the media he'd answer any questions regarding football, but given that the other matter is before the courts, he can't comment on it, which is a, a fairly standard uh, stance for those sort of matters. And uh, for all intents and purposes, it doesn't seem to have hampered his training ability with the team. While he's got some work to do on his fitness, as far as his football skills are concerned, he's doing very well. Well, yeah, you only have to, especially on the field, you know, you go through his career and he's had adversity all in the off-season during the season. So, you know, as big as this thing is, he's used to playing with the media pressure. So hopefully it won't affect him too much. Yeah, I think the media's blown a bit out of proportion like they like to do. They they seem to have a, something against Jared and anything that comes out about him, they always make it sound a lot worse and more negative than it actually is. Um, this is this could turn out to be absolutely nothing. It could be just somebody just trying to look for a cash grab. We don't know. We don't know all the details exactly, so I'm not going to speculate that way. But well, I probably already have speculated then, but I didn't mean to. Um, all I'm saying is, <laughs> <laughs> all I'm saying is, basically, when it comes to Jared Hayne, and the media think they can sell newspapers or get people to watch their, their news program, they'll just put his picture on there and say Hayne, 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 this, that, and the other, and all of a sudden it's a big news story. When if it was Joe Blow from up the street, you wouldn't have even heard about it. And and to be fair, to clarify that, Jared has brought some of this upon himself in his career, you know, with the way he's not necessarily carried on, but the way he's carried himself, if you know what I mean. He's always been, almost been very much a highlight reel player, both in the media and on the field. And so it sort of made it, made it easier for the media in Australia to zoom, zero in on him in that regard. But, he's matured a lot. Like that, that interview, yes. that interview you was mentioned earlier, the first one back in, at the Eels, he played that beautifully, way way better than what he has been in the past. And I, I think um, yeah, that's that that's sort of showing that he's matured as a person. So hopefully that comes out in the field too and it matures, and he can be a leader at the club because at his age and the amount of games he's played and rep games he's played, he should be a leader. All right, well, we'll move on to another bit of news, which is the confirmation of um, some Eels juniors to be taking part in the New South Wales Pathways program. So um, uh, I think there's eight junior Eels all um, up. Um, Now, Forty, I think you mentioned the other day that you can only have so many from each club. Um, Otherwise, we might have seen a couple more names um, in the junior pathways. Yeah, I'm not sure if there's an official hard cap, but I do think they do like to restrict... The, a certain club from having too many in there because they want to spread out 
the the pathways program across all the New South Wales clubs, and then for any New South Wales eligible players in Queensland or Melbourne. Uh, but given the strength of Parramatta squads, especially their 18s, they have dominated the pathways in that regard. Um, but probably a better indication of where teams are at will be the New South Wales 16s and 18s, where they tend to be a little bit more liberal in how many players can come from a given club. Yeah, usually with the uh, the 16s, they're particularly stingy with clubs. It's usually three three players per um, team. But then the 18s, as we've got, what, five players. Five, right. So, yeah, once you get to the 18s, it seems like go for gold with how many you pick per club. And to be fair to Parramatta, they could have had quite a few more in both those squads. But it's not a huge slap in the face by any means because we're quite happy of how our squads are as a club internally. So you don't need that pat on the back anymore in that regard. All right. And I'll come back to um, some junior trials a bit back later. Um, but that'll do for the news. But moving on to... We sort of touched on it before, but... Oh, sorry. Go. I was going to say one particular thing worth mentioning is that Kyle Schneider, who was picked in the 18s pathway, was also selected to train with the senior Emerging Blue squad. And he's only turning 18 this year, which is a pretty big honour. And um, there's a big write-up on him. Well, not a big write-up, but there's a wrap on him in New South Wales Rugby League's website about how he's approaching handling the um, the call-up to the senior Emerging Blue squad. And can you guys give us a bit of background on Schneider? I think he was at Newcastle Junior yeah. who came to us. I'll let Hamish um, explain his origins with Parramatta. Uh, yeah, so a Central Coast kid signed by Newcastle. Um, came down when he was 16 and... You know, reading his name on the internet and everything, going, oh, who's this Kyle Schneider? Couldn't find anything about him. And then he turns out to be the captain and goal kicker of our Harold Matthews team and just, oh, I thought he was there with me, but in his first game, I think he kicked 10 out of 11 in his uh, in his first game. <laughs> the one he missed, he wasn't happy about it. Yeah, he was swearing his head off. And... <laughs> well, that's what we like to see. Yeah, he's, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's an ultra-competitive kid, really nice too, off the field. A couple of times I've spoken to him. Um, uh, good level head, you know, does well in school and so that's the main thing as long as he's a, a nice person and being a top footy player on the end of that, you know. He's a, a, and he plays a dummy half, is that right? right? Yeah, he's a dummy yes. Half. He has moonlit as a lock when we've used a two hooker strategy in the juniors but he is a like a full game hooker when, he, when he, as he develops he's going to be playing your 80 minute hooker role. Um, he's a very competitive individual. He has a history in um, boxing so he knows how to handle himself as a, you know, not saying he's going to throw punches on the field, but, <laughs> but he, he wants to win. You know, he like he doesn't. He's not afraid to go one on one and try and you know go hard. Uh, just trying to think what other, other tidbits. Um, but Hamish already said he's a, he's a great kid. Uh, comes from a very good family as well. He's got a younger brother who's in our, one of our talent squads. Um, I think his old man used to play um, football with Harry Kuehl when Noah. Yes, that is that is right. Yeah, there is yeah. a um, sporting bloodline there. Uh, but yeah, Snyder is one of our sort of blue chip talents in that regard. He's a he's a winner. Uh, he captained the 16s to an undefeated season and a national championship in 2016, and then he came into the SG ball in 2017 as a sort of junior one uh, one year junior, if you know what I mean, 17 and under 18s competition, and it was part of their not undefeated, but their their run to the 18s national championship. So back to back national champion, back to back district reps champion. So he's got fantastic pedigree at the club, and he's, he's definitely one to put in your little black book, as the commentators like to say. Uh, just watch him as he comes through this year. So we've got him and Reed Marnie in our yeah, system, Reed, right? Yes, exactly. And so what's the age difference between the two? Reed Marnie's turning 20 this year, while Kyle Schneider's turning 18, so there's a two-year gap. So, so who should we look out for mostly out of them two? 
Ooh, that's they're different dummy halves because um, you know Reed's a tough little nuggety player who just he's really quick. I think that's what helped, but he's got a good all-round game too. You know, we saw last year he was going for forty twenties. Um, his passing game was fantastic. He was starting to, at the end of the year, starting to play you know close to eighty minutes, if not all eighty-minute games. Um, so yeah, there's Denzel Tanisi pushed out the prop, didn't he? Yeah, we played Reed for pretty much eighty minutes. So no, both have their pros and cons, and a lot a lot more pros than cons. Yeah, the player that Snyder's going to get compared to, I think, will be Cameron Smith. They've got a very similar build, sort of like a tall than usual hooker, and look like an accountant. Yeah, as as Kyle fills out, fills out. Sorry, not fills out, fills out. Um, He'll be, you know, that sort of almost like a lock build the way Cameron Smith is. Uh, But yeah, Reed's interesting because yeah, he's. Uh, scheming uh, is that the word you're going to be looking for? He's always got his head up, always looking to pick off the markers, almost Robbie Farah esque in that way. He's um doesn't overplay his hand too much, but he is very aggressive from dummy half. Whereas Kyle is your prototypical model hooker, where he can run, kick, pass, um, and tackle really well, and he just sort of keeps the team running like a machine. Yeah, I suppose the way to describe it would be Reed plays what's in front of him on that set play, whereas Kyle will lead something up to yeah. do a set play. So. You know, Kyle can play off off the cuff if he needs to, but you know that would sort of be the the difference between the two. Yeah, but they're, they're both very good talents, since how Parramatta handles both of them is going to be very interesting because Reed Marnie's had a big preseason so far, and Kyle's obviously doing pretty well if he's been caught into the senior emerging blue squad while not even turning eighteen yet. So, pretty good stuff. Yes. So just. Um, yeah, so just touching on the under-18s, um, New South Wales under-18s pathway squad. So uh, as you just touched on 40, Kyle Schneider's part of that team. Uh, we've also got Sam Hughes, um, Tyler Field, John Paul Nora, and Stefano, I'm, I'm just going to butcher this last name, but I'll have a go, um, Utu Ka- Kamanu. Close enough, that's good. Oh, that's that's, enough, yeah. yeah, that's good. <laughs> And then the under-16s, we've got Caleb Tohi, Oscar Mazomo, and Trey Mooney. Yeah, so uh, with your 18, Sam Hughes, we signed him from Cronulla last year. He was a centre, but he's centre-second row sort of thing, but now he's moved sort of into the middle. You know, big kid, he's what? The best best forward in the 16s age division last year, wasn't he, Hamish? Yeah, when he was on the field, he's just... He's nearly two metres tall already, um... Got some speed, some agility, has a nice pass on him offload, so he's a good one. At the moment, he's big enough to play in the middle and be dominant, but still agile enough to play on the edges, so the team could use him quite versatilely in a couple of unique ways. Really strong defender too, you know, he just he wraps that ball up, he gets up in the face <laughs> of the attacker. So he's, he's a... I, I like Sam Hughes, I'm a big fan. Um, Stefano Atuakamano is another massive human being. He's one of the better forward prospects probably across the um, the entire pathways. He's just been dogged by injuries in the last couple of years. Um, he's got an older brother, Philia, who was in our... Well, he was eligible for our 18s in 2017, but spent the whole season in the 20s before he broke his back. So I think he's um, he's making a good recovery there, but that was really unfortunate for Philia. But Stefano um, hurt his shoulder, which brought an early into his season. But um, he's definitely one to keep an eye on. Uh, big, uh, powerful forward. Got a good work rate, though. He doesn't um, shirk his duties. Um, he could be one of those guys that could be a difference maker in a year or two. Um, and I think that just speaks to, uh, since Brad Arthur came, just re-establishing those junior links. 
um, with all, of course, the the junior um, reps and junior teams around the Parramatta area, which had sort of been left to, to squander yeah. in the years prior. Um, so, you know, having BA as the coach, it's not just about the first grade team. It's not just about Wedty. It's about all those junior pathways. Yeah, BA's done a very good job. He's very hands-on for the juniors. He he can identify and remember pretty much all the talent when he go, attends a training. He'll say, or oh, how is X you know, progressed from this since I last saw him. And, you know, he's got a very good mental memory, uh, a mental database, if you will, to keep track of all that stuff. But he's also put the right people in places. Um, we've we've got a very good coaching structure from the 16s, 18s, and 20s. All we have, obviously, we lost, we lost Luke Burt recently, which was, a, I suppose, speaks to our success in that regard. Uh, but also, he's um sort of chief talent evaluator and recruiter, and Anthony Fields has done a fantastic job in a keeping the best in the local areas and also be really aggressively pursuing stuff sort of outside of his realms, whether it's Queensland, whether it's New Zealand, whether it's other Sydney clubs. And, you know, not like he's buying the budget, but he's going out and finding sort of overlooked talent in other, in other catchments. Yeah, it looks like um, the Sharks have started to bleed some um, junior talent in their, their last off-season, at least, not, if not going back for the last year or two, since they had that success. Was it in SG Ball yes. or the Harold Matz? In, in, yeah. in the last few years, it's been Parramatta and Cronulla as sort of two powerhouses. Um, as our really dominant 16s team emerged, so too did their 16s team emerge at the same time, which featured Jamin Salmon and also the um, in the SG Ball that same year, it was uh, Curtis Scott, he, um, the centre for Melbourne now. Who, um, That's right. Was very highly recruited coming out of their SG Ball uh, winning campaign in 2016. So they've had some really good teams, but they haven't quite seen the progression internally probably that they would have liked. Um, after losing Curtis Scott, uh, they've lost Jamie Salmon to us. Uh, I'm just trying to think. Uh, Kyle Flanagan is obviously in the mix for first grade now. Uh, the coach's son, who's done a good job in the 20s. But it'll be interesting to see um, how they go because they've recruited very heavily externally once more with the likes of uh, Josh Dugan. And uh, uh, what's his name? Moywin, Matt Moywin, sorry. Sort of taking up some of the core positions in the back line. So that, that might be blocking the pathway for some of the young kids there. All right. Well, moving along from the, the juniors, we'll, we'll get on to the junior trials um, a bit later. But just a quick word on the uh, Leagues Club AGM. Um, so that'll be taking place on. Just one second, I'll get that up. God, I don't even have a date for it. Um, Date is the 19th of Feb, Monday. Oh, sorry. Yep, 19th of February 2018. Um, so it's just the annual general meeting. It's not a, a extraordinary meeting. So it just seems to be... I've just got the um, the order of business here, which is business to be conducted, ordinary business, minutes of the previous annual general meeting to receive and consider the minutes from the previous general meeting. Um, also will be the 2017 annual report and financial statements for both the uh, Leagues Club, uh, the PLC annual report and the PNRL annual report will be handed down. Um, so it's just sort of business as usual for that one. Um, from what I can see, it doesn't look like it, they're going to be uh, introducing any motions like they did at the last aborted extraordinary general meeting. Um, I'm sure our main man um, at the uh, the leagues club will be working tirelessly to try make sure he's got the numbers before he tries to introduce any extraordinary um, sort of plans to move the club forward given... Uh, how unsuccessful we were at the last extraordinary general meeting. Yeah, so I imagine it would be fairly straightforward after what was essentially a train work of the last uh, extraordinary general meeting, but hopefully there's not too much agitation, but there always is at para. Uh, always. Always. 
your Dennis. Well, if we can, got all the all the old all the old guard. Well, if we can take any solace, it looks like the Bulldogs have got an even worse time of it this year round, um, with uh, rival tickets flaring up everywhere. But um, I guess that's something to keep the eyes on and maybe uh, throw a bit of salt their way, considering what we've copped in the last couple of years. <laughs> that's right. I mean, we, we, we do have to appreciate that we do have stability both in the football operations department and at the club level now, so it could be a lot worse. This could help. Yeah, well, having... This could work in Jared Hayes' favour, actually, with his, up, with his stuff going on with the Bulldogs... Drama erupts, come up to their election. They'll be the back page spread, and Jared Hayden might be three or four pages inside the back page instead. Oh, fingers crossed. <laughs> Wishful thinking, I think. <laughs> <laughs> um, but as you said, yes, we, we've got you know a, an administrator in at the moment who's going to be staying there until um, these resolutions can be put forward and um, actually resolved. So um, that's going to take however long it's going to take, and there's going to be stability for that point of time. Um, so I don't think that the club will ever revert back to what it was because as much as some of the um, the, the the league's club members aren't exactly in the know, um, they're only worried about what they're worried about inside the league's club. Um, there's a lot more growing to be worried about what's going on with a foot cl- football club. Right, well, enough on, on um, the politics side of things. Um, we'll get into 2018 expectations, um, where we think we're going to end up. We'll just quickly go back over the draw again. I know we did that last year, um, and then have our player to watch. Um, and I'll plug one of my own things. I've written up a bit of a piece on uh, Mitchell Moses, um, which I've got on my own little blog site, but um, I'll link that from our, I think I already linked that from our Twitter. Um, but first, let's go into the draw. Um, I think we already touched on it last year, but you know we're, we're facing a lot of the teams uh, twice in the first 10 rounds. We've got the Panthers twice, Sharks twice, Tigers twice, um, and Manly twice. Um, so what are, what, are, what are your expectations? I'll start with you, Bertie. Um, top four, top eight, or are we going to sink back out of it? Uh, I reckon top four, you know, as long as we um, try and make ANZ a fortress, I reckon we can, you know, as long as we don't, re- and also don't repeat Canberra Raiders' effort in 2017, but um, I- I'm tipping us will win seven out of the top, seven of the first ten matches. Well, we've got six uh, games at ANZ to start off, not all of them are home games, but they will be played at ANZ, um, I think because um, I think one of the Tigers games is a class as an away game, the um, the the uh, Easter Monday game, um, but it's still being played at ANZ. So six games at ANZ to start off the season, where I think last year, I think we had uh, six from our first ten at ANZ, sorry, where I think last year was about four from ten. From... Mm. All right, on to you, 40. Yeah, I agree with Bertie. Uh, you've got to be aiming for a top four finish after 2017. Uh, whether it's fourth, third, second, or first, you want to be consolidating and improving. Um, we've got a good, stri- a good, strong squad that's going to be very hungry after the disappointing finish of 2017. And I think, I mean, the the early metrics and our strength of schedule suggested our draw was like the sixth easiest. I think I can't recall what the exact number was, but it was on the relatively easy scale again. Um, but we all know that can change very quickly once uh, the season rolls around. Uh, but barring any sort of significant injuries, you really want to be pushing for that top four, get two bites of the cherry in the in the finals. And to be honest, you, you've got to be thinking grand final this year. And it doesn't mean that it's a sort of like a, a one and done 2018 pipe dream, but you, you've got to be aiming for the big title after you sort of prove that you can mix it with the big boys in 2017. 
And on to you, Hamish. Yeah, um, I'm not as positive as the other two so far. I'm, you know, top six. I still think there um, injuries still concern me. You know, you've got hamstring injuries with Bev are always uh, a concern. AC, second ACL for Guth. Um, you know, we're lucky that we will now have Jared Hayne and Will Smith as backup. But, you know, other clubs have improved. Have we improved? Of course we have. Um, yes, Lachlan Wilmont is uh, a big signing for us with training and prevention of injury through training. So, but no, I, I still think a top six is where we can aim for. Obviously, top four would be perfect again. But, so yeah, I, I think top six. Yeah, well, I think the difference this season is there is a bit of expectation. I've seen a couple of, you know, previews for the 2018 season and people have sort of got them in the, the top four, um, which, of course, with expectation, you know, you've got to deliver those results. Whereas last season, I think the majority of, of pundits and so-called experts had us finishing, you know, in the bottom four. Um, on to you, Pam. Yeah, I think we'll... I just had a quick scan over the draw. I'd say we'll probably finish on around about 36 points like we did in season 2017 and that would have us finish anywhere between sort of third and sixth. Um, you sort of look at the teams that are probably going to finish above us on, on consistency basis over the season, probably the Roosters, the Cowboys, maybe the Storm, depending on how they how they fare without Cooper Cronk. But yeah, I'd say middle of the eight for us, I think, and, and a bit more confidence, I think, when it comes to the finals this year compared to last yeah, well, obviously, you know, Corey Norman hadn't had a finals appearance, neither had Mitch Moses, neither had three-quarters of our team. So I guess coming with um, the experience of, first of all, our finals, um, you know, I was two and out. Um, but then a lot of players were playing in the um, the World Cup as well, um, which, of course, always has a, uh, a good impact. And I mean, Moses has struck a, up a bit of a... There's a sorry, go. that comes back like a Super Saiyan out of the World Cup, so hopefully you can do that. Yes, well, uh, well, he's on track for another uh, Dally M performance. Can he do it from centre? That's a big question, isn't it? All right, and moving on to like a bit of positional work, uh, what do you boys think our best spine would be going forward? I think we've rounded out Norman and Moses in the six and seven, or you know, switch them as you like who you want as your first receiver, second receiver. Um, of course, we don't play the split halves. We seem to play, play the combined halves. But moving on to fullback and then, of course, number nine. Um, now, Gutho's made great leaps in his recovery from his ACL injury, but the club seems to be a bit hesitant to rule him in for the first match of the year. If that's the case, are we starting with French? Are we starting with Will Smith? Are we starting with Jared Hayne at fullback? Or does Jared Hayne go to centre? If he's going to centre, does he play left? Does he play right? Does Jennings go over to the right? Or does he come back to his preferred left? Um, have at it. My my gut feel is that we start with Bevan at fullback if uh, Quint, Quinton Gufferson's not ready to go. Um, I think with Guffo, the problem is, is that because it's a second ACL injury on the same knee, they really don't want to rush him back even on like a normal timeline, they want to give him that, maybe give him that little bit of extra time to cement that uh, recovery in the knee. Uh, but I think you go Cameron King at hooker with Will Smith on the bench. Um, obviously the halves are settled, like you said, Hamish. And I think it'd be Bevan at fullback. But I mean, given what Jared Hayne can do at fullback, um, and given that we probably need a difference maker on the wing at the same time, 
uh, given that Sammy's gone and Bevan sort of provides that uniqueness of both his uh, lightning quick speed and his ability to just do freaky stuff out of nothing it's a possibility that you could consider Hayne a fullback but I, I do think one French uh, six uh, was it Norman or Moses wearing a six in 2017 but whatever one of them uh, had, Norman yeah six Norman seven Moses and nine King 14 Smith with uh, Pritchard battling to try and unseat Smith from um from Wenty probably and Birdie? Uh, I reckon French will start. You know, he's had his injury was like a hammy, so he's probably had the whole preseason to get over it. You know, Guffa is a worry. You know, when he when he came back, when he first signed with us, he was a bit, you know, touch and go and on the wing. But um, my biggest uh, question would be: Will Taka and Orvar miss out? Because someone has to miss out. You know, we've got Hank coming in. You know, we've got someone has to go play for Winnie. So. That's my biggest question. Oh, that, that, that's quite a good question. Who's going to be yeah. playing the centre position? Um, people seem to have it drawn out that Hayne and Jennings are going to take those two centre spots and Tacker's going to miss out um, with other R and French on the wing, but that's definitely not settled. Yeah, that's a very fair point. And, and I mean, there's going to be depth at Wenty that's you know probably first-grade standard. You look at the forwards, you look at the back line, and there's just too many people trying to fit into the limited spots that you have, assuming everyone's fit. So it, it presents an interesting, you know, set of permutations for the team, where there's a couple of really competitive options you could go with, and it'll probably just come down to who stands out in the trials. Is anybody looking to flirt with Hayne on the wing? I think if you flirt with any position with Hayne, it would be fullback. But that's a big if. But you know that he can be the like the world's best in the number one. But it's a question of. Uh, is it sort of uh, complement the other pieces you have in your back line more? And, you know, does he have it in the tank? Which he probably does. But with given that you've got Bevan French there, you know, is that the most complimentary move for the rest of your back line, given that you can probably get a lot out of Hayne at the centres, given who we've got in the halves and who we've got at the other centre in Jennings? And that's the thing with, um, you say, with the halves, you know, our passing ability compared to when he was here last time when he was playing fullback. You know, I'd like to see Hayne run the ball a lot more than um, what he was before where he was that sort of he has to run he has to pass he has to kick he had to be the main playmaker but this time you get Hayne running the ball off Moses or Norman whoever you know that's that's a very dangerous centre to have that's that's a good point because Hayne is at his best when his primary threat is his running game because it starts to put the defenders in two minds because he can pass off like both sides and he can kick and he can also get the late offload away so he, he creates the most havoc when he sort of simplifies his game, even though he's capable of great playmaking feats. If he can just simplify his game on a running basis and then sort of take what the defence gives him from there, he could be a great threat in the centres. Yeah, well, if he gets a ball from Moses or Norman, it gets him outside his opponent. His opponent, his upper body strength is, is still one of the best in the NRL. You'd, you'd nearly back in to beat his man every time once he got outside him. And then it, with the winger, as you said, his passing game is so good. He's only got to draw the winger then and, and put the winger away or have the fullback back on the inside. I, I'm really excited to see Hayne play in the centres with the sort of quality of ball that Moses and Norman can provide. I'm also Can I put it... Oh, sorry. <laughs> um, I'm also excited to see how he defends. I remember you know, when he first came to grade, he was a little bit lighter and everything, but just his reading of the game he used to put on those big hits with Tahu and Inu. 
and all the intercepts used to take. So yeah, that's that, another that, thing that, to be excited a, about. Yeah, really fair point. It's probably an underappreciated element of Haynes' game when he was playing in the front line was his ability to read where the playmaker was going to go and level either a crunching blow or an intercept. So um, how he goes in the centres will be really interesting in that regard. But I, can I put it this way? Let's say um, Haynes is going to be playing on the right edge. That would see him defending with possibly other R on the wing and then Mitchell Moses inside of him. Does that present some opportunities for the for, for the opposition attacking, considering Haynes' lateral defence, both at the Titans and also at New South Wales last season, was um, rather poor? It's a possibility for sure, and it'll be on the coaching staff and on Jared to address that if that's the case. Um, you have to imagine that we've looked at the tape when we you know we looked about going to bring him back to Parramatta, and you know he's had his moments in the past where he's been a very good defender in the front line. But like you said, in 2017, he certainly had his issues when the Titans plonked him out at centre from midway in the season. He he had his struggles, and it was the same for New South Wales. Although in New South Wales, you could exonerate him because some of the, the big tries were from his interior defenders, uh, the Cronulla player, uh, the back rower. Oh, my God. Graham, yeah, he had a real real bad game that led to that sort of back-breaking try in that game, but that doesn't completely exonerate Hayne. But yes, it, it is definitely something... The defensive aspect is the most important part of Jared's play in the centres because you know you're going to get something out of Jared with the ball in hand. He's just that good. Uh, so how he handles defending next to Moses and Edwards and Moroa, I think, on that side, uh, will be the the key to how uh, that whole right edge holds up. If I'm Jared Hayne, I'm going to talk to Michael Jennings because you know when we signed him, you know he had pace. We thought he'd be our attacking centre. And arguably, 2017, he was our best defender in the back line. He was a rock. He, he stuck tackles. He hardly missed it. If I was Jared Hayne, I'd be talking to him and asking, you know, how can I base, how can I, you know, replicate his type of game style? Because if he can defend, I'm happy with that. That's all I care about, pretty much. Speaking of Jennings, though, what, have we had official confirmation that Jared's playing right edge? Because he played left no, edge. No, no, there's no, there's yeah. no official confirmation. Because he played left edge centre for New South Wales, and he always did, even dating back to when he was getting snubbed at fullback. He played his game in uh, 2013 or 12, I think it might have been, at left centre. Um, and obviously the series in 2017, he played at left centre. So he's got most of his centre reps at rep level at left centre, except for Australia in the 2013 World Cup when he played right centre. Yeah, I was just putting it that way because Jennings' preferred yes. edge is the left edge, although he did play the latter half of 2017 on the right edge and struck up a pretty good combo with other... And that, that's where, where I think a lot of fans would be hoping to see the club continue to build that right edge relationship because he did so well outside of Moses. And although statistically the the improvement in Moses wasn't as significant as you'd think, because I, I saw the you know there were some stats posted at the end of the year, um, and there was an increase, but it wasn't as as relevant as you think. What the eye test was showing on the field looked like a significant improvement in our right edge defense. And sometimes the numbers don't always tell the whole story. I think. It looks like we might have an international centre missing out. Yeah, well, that that's that is the other story out of a partnership of Hayne, or well, partnership, but a duo of Hayne and Jennings in the centres means that Brad Takarangi, the incumbent New Zealand uh, centre, misses out, doesn't it? Whether he um, transitions to a bench role or or more, I don't know. It's one of the big questions to come at the preseason. 
All right, and we'll move on to players to player or players to watch. Who's your tip to have a breakout season in the blue and gold in 2018? Arguably, Nathan Brown was probably that breakout player last season. Um, value for 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 um, money, and of course, um, you know, just his performances cemented him right in uh, the top echelon of uh, of uh, middle forwards last season. Um, so who's your tip? Mine's going to be Mitchell Moses having a full season and make a New South Wales debut at some point. Um, I think he's got it in good with uh, the 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 new uh, New South Wales coach. Um, what are your tips, boys? I'll start with you, Bert. Yeah, no, uh, mine's a bit different. You know, I'm a I'm a fan of Maratha. You know, I made it clear in the Discord. You know, cop cop a bit of banter. You know, but I, I'm just looking forward to him at least making the first grade squad. You know, like. I said last time I saw him play the first time, you know, he was carried off. It was a very shocking incident, and I'm just hoping, you know, he can get back on the field, play first grade. You know, after all, we recruited him from New Zealand. He he took the, you know, the big leap to come to Australia, and I'm just, I'd rather him play at our club than him to go off somewhere else and get his chance. And I'm tipping, you know, he looks well, you know, in the photos. He looks like he's um been training the house down, but I'm tipping he, I said this, he could be, if he was playing, if he played all games, rookie of the year. That's my opinion. But, so Murata's a second rower, is that right? Yeah. Murata was an edge player in 2017, but he's um hit the the weight room pretty hard to show. I think he's looking to have a little bit of versatility in his game to be able to play in the middle or the edges if needed. All right, and forty, who's your your breakout player, whether it be a junior or a, or or one that's already in the. I'm I'm gonna take uh, take a broad brush this one. Um, I can't help it. I'm just, you know, there's too many players I want to gush about. But I think Jared's going to have a huge bounce-back season. I think he's got his head in the right place, and I think he's got his heart in the right place now that he's back at Parramatta. And I expect him, assuming that nothing significant comes out of the uh, civil case, to to be a force for Parramatta. Um, in the first-grade squad, I think that Daniel Alvaro and Kenny Edwards are set for big years. Um, Alvaro sort of, I wouldn't say, would you say he broke out? Um he, he had a very good 2017 where he cemented his place in the first grade team, but he and Kenny are really training the house down. Uh, outside of the top squad, I, I agree with Bertie, Murata's definitely the guy to watch uh, to make an impact in the NRL team. And I'm very interested to see how Jamin Salmon and Dylan Brown in the junior, or junior ranks in that regard uh, handle their uh, 2018 campaigns because they're very talented. Um, and on to you, Hamish. Um Big year for Cameron King. I think an injury-free year. He's got a good all-round skill set, especially in attack. Um, kicking out a dummy half will give us a third option. I think he'll have a big year. And I'm with the other two, Murata, near Kore. Big player. I reckon he'll, uh, once he gets into first grade, that'll be it. He'll stay in there. Shout out to Ray Stone as well, by the way. All the players. Ray Stone would probably be looking at getting a um, uh, second grade gig at Wenty, um, given that he's come out of the 20s. He, he played a bit of Wenty last year, is that right? That's right, yeah. He played prop as much as he played second row. Yeah, like, yeah. Um, like... Sorry. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, there was a... I think it was either one game or two games I saw of him. He was um, filled in at dummy half too. No, not, not the best dummy half, but strong defender, so... He can play that eighty minutes, and you won't you won't lose any you won't lose a game from him. There's uh, more than a little bit of Nathan Brown to Raystone, I think, which a lot of fans will love. I think. And we picked up Raystone from the Tigers from memory. Yes. 
Um, and they sort of got, uh, who did they get back? They got Twal, um, I guess, but I think we're going to win out in that scenario, even though Twal had a very good um, campaign for Lebanon in the off-season, but he's probably more of a, much of the same props or middle forwards that we already have, you know, in the manner sort of mould. That's fair, yeah. Uh, on to PM. Yeah, well, if we replay this back at the end of the season to see who was right, Forty's bound to be right because he's named the whole squad. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, did, I did give that sort of warning say I'm taking the broad brush <laughs> guys, so I was excited about there was a big role of that one to use in now <laughs> yeah. there's, a, there's, a, there's a couple I suppose I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to name a couple as well um, a couple of guys who have been bagged by our fans for many years and one's just come back to the club in Jared Hayne and the other one is Tim Manor I think they're both going to prove everybody wrong Tim Manor in the, the World Cup has probably played the best football he's played for a couple of years. He gets bagged. They call him a pillow and all this other sort of stuff, but they don't look at the stats. And the stats say that Tim Manor is due for a huge season next season, along with Alvaro. And then the one junior I'm looking at coming through is, and it'd be interesting to see how he goes once he plays a bit more at Wenty, is Greg Lilissi Wow. If he get if he goes to Wenty and kills it like he did in the 20s, you can see him in the first grade team Probably by about round ten. Well, you're not wrong in that. You've got there's there's a bit of wing depth now. I guess we've got uh, Hoffman is hardly talked about, but of course he's a specialist sort of winger these days. Um, you've got Ava who's transitioned from that centre position to wing. I think he's got a bit more to do under the high ball and maybe defensive positioning. Um, then you've got Bevan French, of course. Jared Hayne can play wing on a pinch, um, and then you've got blokes like Lalesi Wow coming through the twenties. George Jennings as well. Uh, that's exactly right, George Jennings too. Yeah, there's and we've got a couple of good young wingers as well that we'll get a look in through the twenties and maybe further on depending on injuries. Um guys like Ethan Parry, Hayes Dunster, uh Cliff Leotol is back at the club I believe. So there's a lot of good young juniors. John Fanua. What was that Hamish, sorry? John Fanua. Yeah, John yeah, He's another one. Yeah. And um also there's um Dana Noakaflau who have experience in the centres more than wing, but there's a lot of good young talent there, so yeah, there's there's depth. Even French. There's uh there's one more player that um, I want to talk ask about. Is Jack Morris still at the club? Because he had a you know a few reps on him. You know, make I, b- I believe he's as far as I know he is still contracted to the club, but I haven't seen him featured in any of the um the top thirty training so far. So he um yeah. might be on a sort of like depth retainer at this point in time. Yeah, contracted to Parramatta, but training with Wenty at the moment. If he, if you know, if he can show enough to get back into the team, he has the opportunity to do it through ISP. Well, uh, just touching back on Ricky, he might be not. Sorry, he might not be too far off the mark given French's 29 games for 28 tries, just under one try a game. And I think in his first season at Parramatta, or the half season of 2016, when he played on the wing for the majority of it, uninjured, I think it was 17 tries from 13 or 14 games. 13 games, if I recall correctly. Um, yeah, after that debut against Newcastle. So, yeah, yeah, the try saver right on the death as well. Against, against Rostock, yeah. He um, scored a great little wingers try in the corner and um, saved the try against Rostock at the end. Yeah, Do play an edge-heavy attacking structure too, which can benefit uh, a live-wire fullback. So it'll be, or if he's playing on the wing, it obviously benefits him naturally as well. So it will be very interesting to follow how, how Bevan is used both as a fullback pending Gufferson's fitness and as a winger 
because he's a very unique strike weapon. He hasn't got the prototypical size of a winger, but geez, he's quick and agile. He's got speed, plus he's got that kicking game, that kick back to the fullback. Oh, uh, sorry, to the either to the fullback or the five eighth. Yeah, he's got that that natural instinct, doesn't he? Um, that you know his cousin or his relative in Peachy sort of had. They just they're on the spot at the right time. They can just anticipate where a ball's going to bounce, what direction, and where to be. Well, it, it seems to be the certain type of talent that Brad Arthur has gravitated to, and he brings up the term every time he speaks about these type of players. They're footballers. And I know it sounds like a bland sort of cover-all description, but Quint Gufferson, Bevan French, uh, even Nathan Brown, you know, these guys, they just they play football. They're good footballers. And you can't always explain what makes them so good. Like, you know that they're fast or they're quick or they're agile, they're strong, they've got an offload, but there's something that's more than the sum of the parts when they get on the football field, and that's what guys like Bev and Guffo are. All right, well, if that wraps up our sort of long-winded discussion on what our expectations and players are to watch. Um, hopefully everybody at home isn't falling asleep. <laughs> uh, we'll move on. We've got some junior trials happening this uh, weekend for the Harold Mats and the SG Ball. Um, there's a couple of players. It, from what I understand, it's sort of going to be rotating in a lot of boys. There's no fixed team until we do the trials this weekend and then the 27th. Um, but if you don't have anything to do on Saturday, the 20th of January, um, we'll have a couple of teams in action against the Penrith Panthers down at Blacktown Patrician Brothers High School in Blacktown. Um, now, there's four matches taking place, two at 9 o'clock, one at 10 o'clock and one at 11. Uh, the one at 9 o'clock is Tasha Gale, uh, which will be on field two, and then the under-15s will play at 10 o'clock on field two, followed, uh, sorry, the Harold Mats will take place at 9am on field one, and then SG Ball at 11am on field one. Um, now, Hamish or Forty, do you want to run us through, uh, first of all, Tasha Gale, is that the under-14s or the under-13s? Or uh, That's the under-18s females. Yeah. Oh, okay, my apologies, there you are. Um they play nine aside. Um, it's quite entertaining, actually. Uh, it, it was its debut year last year, and it was very successful. And do you guys want to run through Harold Matts and SG Ball? Is there anybody to look out for? Um, do you think uh, there's lots of choices to be made in regards to the makeup of the final teams? Oh, yeah. It's going to be very competitive this year in both the 16s and the 18s. Um, we had a lot of turnover in our 16s. Uh, the... They uh, were knocked out of the uh, Harold Matz grand final qualifier last year by Manly. Uh, so a lot of our senior players are graduating into our SG ball. Um, but we have a lot of our 15s talent squad from 2017 that we're grooming specifically to enter the Harold Matthews in 2018 as 16-year-olds coming in. And there's a quite a bit of talent coming in there. So Hamish could probably explain some of them if he wants to. Um, yeah, so obviously your three that have been picked for uh, New South Wales squad their ones to look out for. That's pretty much a back row. Trey Mooney, Oscar Mazoma, and Caleb Torhey. Uh, Caleb played last year in Harold Matz and was just a just a standout. Oh, Trey did a couple of games too on the edge, yeah. Um, I think my player to look out for is young Jacob Arthur. He's just obviously the, the oldest son of Brad. Just ultra-fit kid, just does everything. He's a professional at 15, 16 years old. So yeah, I think he's... And he's been training with the first grade squad, yeah. or training alongside the first grade squad, he, from he what does, I understand. does every preseason. He is an absolute machine. Um, 
club. Yeah, he he can keep pace with professional athletes. He um works his tail off. All right. Any other takes, boys? Anything else you want to talk about, or um, yeah, ready to wrap it up? Just trying to think. The eighteens is obviously going to be very talented. Uh, just trying to think if there's any. Most fans of the juniors be familiar with a lot of the names there. Uh, we talked about Kyle Schneider and uh, Stefano Tokamano and the others there. The other one probably worth mentioning is Tyler Field, who's a very talented young halfback, a uh, very strong running half. Uh, but uh, trying to think, we, we've got a sort of a embarrassment of riches in that regard in that yeah. group at the moment. So, uh, um, we're also pretty lucky we've brought down uh, Joe Small, who's a. Um, I haven't seen him personally, but from what I've read about him and heard about him, he's a hardworking lock come down from Queensland Rugby Union. Yeah, he's got a union background and he's going to be a back row, we assume. Uh, but there's there's a lot of talent in both the 16s and 18s. So if you ever get the chance uh, to go out, Saturday's going to be quite crazy. There's going to be a lot of family from both Penrith and uh, Parramatta uh, boys in there, so it's always a big crowd. Uh, so if you can get out there, it's a lot of fun. Otherwise, the Harold Matthews and district reps during the season themselves are always great. It's a really nice atmosphere at the games, you know, small but vocal crowds. And you get to see a lot of cool talent coming through. Have, has anyone seen uh, the photos of the new stadium being put up? Like, is there any chance that we could be done by the beginning of the 2019 season? I haven't heard any estimation saying that they're, they're ahead of schedule, uh, which usually means they're either on schedule or behind schedule. But uh, it will be something cool to follow. So probably halfway through the year, I'd say, you'll probably get a better idea of where we're at. But if we could have that open for the start of the 2019 season, that would be amazing. In one regard, we, we've had a lot of uh, we haven't had a lot of wet weather, so hopefully that plays into it. That, that there hasn't been those delays with all those rainy days when they're trying to set foundations and whatever else. So, in one regard, they should be either on schedule or a little bit ahead, given the complete lack of rain in Western Sydney over the last you know six to twelve months. The last couple of pitches I saw, I'd say they're doing pretty well with the amount of time since they've knocked it down and levelled the ground. They've actually got a fair bit up. There were some photos I only saw a couple of days ago. Yeah, I guess we'll get a bit more news once it starts to fully take shape. I think one of the grandstands is sort of going in yeah, at the yeah. moment. Yeah, it looks like the, the uprights are up and they've even started to put in some what it looks like from the back is steps, but it's obviously the, the layers where they put the seats on. You can see the back of that up at, I think it's, I don't know if it's the northern end or the southern end. I think it might be the... Um, not the least club. I, I think, think it was the, the eastern end. side. It was the eastern side, was it? Oh, okay, yep. Yeah. It's harder to tell from the pictures because it doesn't. They're not saying where they're taking the pictures from. Yeah, you got no perspective. That's right. Yeah, yep. Yeah. Um, but anyway, I'm sure they'll give us updates coming closer to mid-season, because um, of course that'll play into uh, what seats you'll be getting in the 2019 season and whether or not we'll be playing halfway games at ANZ or whether we'll be um, actually entering the new stadium in 2020. Yeah, just, just looking at a sort, like one of the Legal Limited guys that went and spoke to someone on the site, they're saying that the next two or three months you'll see a lot of um, progress as far as the um, the base skeleton of the stadium is concerned. So the government wants to finish in 15 months, so it looks like it's on schedule. So possibly not for the season opener though, yeah, Bertie? Kind of unfortunately, it looks like, yeah. Which is kind of lame to have a, a stadium opener in the middle of a season. It's always awesome to have a rocking house for round one. Yeah. Oh, if it's done by round six, it'll be all right. I think if it's done by round six, it'd be okay. Like, you could play your first five games away and then 
and have the grand opening on round Jeez. six. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We'll catch us up later in the season, don't we? You get you'll, you'll get your home games back later on. So yeah, you get a big run of home games right at the end. That'll be leading into yeah. the finals. All right then. Well, I think that'll wrap us up. Um, so anybody got anything to plug, Birdie? You're on Twitter at Bevan uh, Evan One. So officially, the NFL season's over for me. Um, <laughs> Cowboys, but you know what? Looking forward to the draft, and hopefully, I'm praying the Eagles don't win because. <laughs> well, I'm all on the Jaguars. Blake Bortles, uh, have some trust in in Bortles. He's copped so much shit. It'd be so funny to see him go and pick up a Lombardi. <laughs> if he can pull a Trent Dilfer like the um the Ravens back in uh, 2013, or was it 2003? Can't remember. And will the Vikings be the first team to play a Super Bowl at their home ground? Yeah, I'd love to see yes, that. that'd be that'd be crazy. No, we can't have that. We can't have the Vikings having any success. I think this is for a different podcast, boys. Yeah. Their fan base is too insufferable. <laughs> All right, on to four. Um, I have plenty of stuff to plug. Um, TCT has been really busy since the new year started. Sixties uh, and I have um, sit down with Tim Manor and Dennis Big D Anderson for our latest tip sheet interviews. So you can catch them on the thecumplandfro.com, or you can visit our uh, SoundCloud channel. Uh, but we did a, a great sit-down with Tim regarding the World Cup and his uh, career with the Eels and his future in 2018. God, I keep getting years struggling with that in my head. And, well, Dennis Big D. Anderson's one of the living legends uh, for Parramatta. He's the football operations assistant, and he's been with the team forever. He's just got so many stories, has seen so much good and bad for the club. Sixties uh, has also been flat out busy with all his training reports, so if you want to get a nice little inside tip on how the boys are training and what's different this year and who's starring, uh, you can hit us up at thecumberfro.com. And as always, we're active on Twitter at EelsTCT, where Mitch and Sixties run wild with all the tweets. And I can't recommend that um, tip sheet with Tim Manor uh, enough. Um, so get on and have a listen. It's a fantastic interview um, and a great uh, plug for our club captain, um, who, as far as I know, is going to continue as captain in the 2018 season. Yeah, he's a, he's a fantastic bloke. It is a good listen. All right, and on to you, Hamish. Do you have anything to plug other than the road trip up to the uh, to Maitland for the, oh. <laughs> for the first trial against Newcastle? Um, no, nothing to plug, I suppose. Uh, maybe my hilarious Twitter account, at HamSamage22. It's mainly talking about footy, wrestling, and dogs. So if you like any of those three things, give us a follow. And PM? Yeah, uh, Sport First Nambucca is our store, sportfirstnambucca.com.au. We sell plenty of NRL supporter gear, especially Parramatta Real stuff. If you get on there now, you can use the discount code PARAPODCAST, all one word, and you'll get 10% discount off your order, and it's free shipping for every order over $100 Australia-wide. All right, and I've got something of my own to plug. Uh, you can catch me at blog site, which is aroundthenrl.com, uh, doing a series of blogs which are making the leap, sort of taking off. There's um, an NFL. I don't know if anybody follows the NFL, but if they do, there's a podcast called Around the NFL, um, and one of their presenters does a series called Making the Leap, uh, which I'm doing as a series of about six different either players, teams, or or coaches that uh, are step, have to step up in 2018. Um, the first one was Mitch Moses. Um, went over his career to date and what he needs to do in 2018 to get to where he needs to go, um, especially with, a, a, I think, a New South Wales jersey on the line. It seems to be him and Nathan Cleary are going to battle it out for that other jersey. Um, so we'll have to see how that all plays out. But, of course, 
early 2018 form is going to be key. Um, and then you can catch the podcast on Twitter at Para Podcast, and then you can also catch us on Facebook. Uh, I think we've got about three followers on there. Um, so <laughs> if anybody from the actual podcast wants to start following us, that'd be handy. I don't use and then we'll move from there. <laughs> so it's facebook.com uh, slash Para Podcast. Any, um, any spoilers for the next uh, club team or player making the, uh, the league? Well, it's actually going to be against our first trial opponent, uh, yeah. Newcastle Knights, in their entirety. Very cool. Right, that's a good one. There's a lot of uh, expectation on Newcastle yeah. now that they've made some off-season yeah. signings. If they aren't delivering, it's going to be um, a long season. I, I know I made great um, our other Hamish a little bit, but there, there's almost now with the Jacksonville Jags around amongst Newcastle, isn't there? A huge off-season. Yeah, three and thirteen into uh, to top final. They're, they're they're really pushing internally to make that jump deep into the top eight. With the pickups of Mitchell Pierce and uh, all of the Roosters squad, all of the Roosters squad at this time, pretty much yes. Plus, um, obviously the the prodigy from North Queensland, Kalen Bunger. So very, very interesting. I'm, I'm looking forward to that one, Hamish. All right. Well, cheers, guys. Well, thanks for joining us for another uh, another week of Para Podcast. We'll start be doing these again uh, weekly or fortnightly leading up to the season. Uh, we've got six weeks to go until our round one kickoff against Penrith. Um, you know how uh, all those rugby fans love their Sunday Arvo footy, and you can go onto Ticketek now and get your tickets for that first match against Penrith out at Penrith Stadium. Speaking of tickets for Parramatta, the Captain's Club sold out officially, which is the first time ever, I think. So the hype for 2018 is very real for Parramatta fans. Very cool. All right then, boys. Well, I think we're third on membership and it's growing every day. I know I got mine before Christmas. Hopefully everybody else has got their membership packets or they're coming soon. Um, Now I've just got to convince my wife to put the 2018 member sticker on the back of the car. (laughs) Good luck, good luck. All right, boys. Well, thanks for joining us again. Bertie. See you, mate. Have a good one. <laughs> 40. See you, boys. Thanks for having me again. Oh, sorry. Hamish, uh, PM, and Ricky. Yeah. yeah cheers, See guys. You later. Thanks. Have a good one. Thank you. Bye. 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 <laughs> Bye.